right, everybody. In case you didn't know it, you are here for the Rogue One and Military Themes in Star Wars panel. Yeah. <laughs> nice, Mike. So, in, in case you haven't realized it yet, none of us are from Lucasfilm. We are not official. We are here as fans to discuss what we do know, which is very little. So, this will be a lot of speculation. Uh, There's I, no NDAs. No NDAs. That's a, that's a positive thing. Can't say anything about it. That's a next level NDA right there. Yeah. So, just as a reminder for the panelists and for anyone asking questions for later, make sure that you come up on your microphone so that everybody can hear you. So, I am Bethany Blanton. I'm in Air Force ROTC, and I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. I am one of the co-hosts and founders of StarWarsReport.com. Thomas? I'm Thomas Harper. Uh, both myself and my very lovely fiance there in the back, uh, Marissa, are captains in the uh, active duty Army. We're both stationed uh, with the 3rd Infantry Division at Fort Stewart, uh, right underneath Savannah. I'm uh, Riley Blanton. I'm also an Air Force ROTC and a huge fan of all things military and Star Wars. Um, and I'm going to lend my extensive experience having, having just graduated boot camp this summer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my name's Tim Helbing. I have no military experience. However, I have read widely, been a military aficionado, I guess you could say, fanboy. Um, watched all sorts of war movies, books, etc., history, so. And, of course, lover of Star Wars, so. My name is Tom Hutchins. I'm the founder of the Mandalorian Merc's Costume Club. Uh, I write for StarWars.com, and I build all kinds of cool uh, sets of armor and, and Props. You probably saw our speeder in the parade yesterday. Um, I, I'm also a veteran of the United States Navy. That's been about 15 years ago, which makes me feel extraordinarily old to say that it was 15 years ago. Wow. Okay. Anyway, and that's all there is really about me. <laughs> I'm Daniel Eisenhower. I have no military experience, as I am still in high school. Uh, but... We all uh, thank everyone who does. So what I'll start with now is a little bit of what we know about Rogue One, which is the plot summary for it, the official one, is it's about a rogue band of resistance fighters who unite for a daring mission to steal the Death Star plans and bring new hope to the galaxy. Oh, new hope, I like that. Ooh. I wonder where I've heard that before. Uh, Rogue One is the first of the anthology films, which might be now called a Star Wars story. Uh, but uh, it will be released in December 2016, and it's set after Episode 3 and before Episode 4. It's currently shooting in the UK and other locations that Gareth Edwards can't talk about. But the director is Gareth Edwards. Producers are Kathleen Kennedy and Tony Toe. And the story is by John Knoll of ILM, as well as Gary Witta. So, what we have here on the screen, can do all you guys see the cast photo on the screen? Okay, good. That's the cast photo that was released recently. And I want to ask the panelists, because I, I know all of you have seen it, but what were your thoughts about the cast photo? I love it. I, I think... Um this just screams exactly what I wanted to see when they when they talked about this movie. Um, you're you're not looking at um, some shiny new sort of 
prequel type imagery here. You're looking at what I picture the Rebel Alliance is at this state. This is probably the best of what they've got. Um, they're banding together, and, and these folks are about to head off on a, a pretty serious mission here. So it's awesome. Yeah, it definitely kind of harkens back to a lot of the things we saw in the original surgery, cobbling together of, you know, like the, the Y-Wings look like they were pretty much cobbled together out of junk and, and things like that. So, yeah, okay. definitely really there. Can you guys in the back hear? Okay, make sure you guys scoot in on the mics. We will yeah. eat the mic. Yes, yeah, kiss like the a, mic. Looked like a very uh, rough band, like you, like you said, uh, in the early stages. Uh, they're not going to be capable of a lot of heavy action, so get in there and get out is probably what their their goal is. Yeah. But the cast list looked very very interesting, so I'm excited to see what, yeah. what they come up with. Uh, I did notice, and of course this is also consistent with what we saw in the original trilogy, that there don't seem to be any aliens in the picture. That's well, true. That would make sense, actually, if you're going... That would make sense, actually, if you're raiding an Imperial facility. You, they're not exactly alien-friendly. That's true. Although, these guys... The people in the picture would look pretty <laughs> as much out of place in an Imperial facility as... I'll grant you that. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I got some discussion going on Twitter before this panel once I let everybody know that I would be moderating it. And some of the discussion was, you know, there's only one female. I don't see any aliens. What's going on here? And, and I did point out, if, if you all remember what The Force Awakens, we got a little bit of the cast, and then we got more cast announcements. And honestly, I think that's what will happen with this. But I'm, I'll be completely blunt and say that I'm really excited that Felicity Jones seems to be leading the cast here. And she looks pretty. She looks pretty awesome. She looks like she's gonna kick it in this movie. So I'm excited to see a female lead character in what will essentially be a war movie in Star Wars. And I, I think it. Um, you know, obviously, there's a, an entirely separate panel to talk about the, the strong female leads tonight. Uh, not to plug too hard, but um, you know, it, it matches with the time that we're in right now. I, you know, if, if any of you guys even have, have glanced at Google News within the last two months or so, one of the big, big stories has been not just the opening of the, you know, combat arms branches to females, which is, uh, you know, a historical moment, but the United States Army's Ranger School, so the elite, uh, the, the school for the elite infantry, you know, it's obviously separate from the actual Ranger uh, Regiment and Battalions, but two females just became the first graduates uh, to make it through the Ranger course, and you're talking an extraordinarily difficult uh, physically and mentally demanding um, exercise, and I think it's fantastic that we have a female lead here to, to um, get out there and uh, kick some butt. Yeah, some, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Something that I think is kind of interesting is that Donnie Yen is in this, okay? And I'm kind of wondering because Donnie Yen is known as one of the, the best martial artists. You know, uh, actors out there. I'm kind of wondering if maybe we might get our first look at like some Terrace Kasai or something. You know, maybe carry it over. Yeah. Since he's the yeah. kung fu master from China, you know. So. Yeah, I'm a bit of a martial arts movie fan, and I'll I'll admit that I'm I'm hoping to see some of that. Yeah, totally. And especially when you have such a if if this is like the main team, or even if we get a bigger team than this, if you have such a small band of people. Are trying to steal the Death Star plans, and you think the Death Star's size and resources, you have to think that this has to be a really specialized team who's trying to go in to get it. So, 
For anyone who's at Star Wars Celebration and went to the Rogue One panel there, there was a Rogue One very, very short teaser trailer. And I gotta ask, was anybody there? Okay, we have a handful. All right, cool. So, did your it, heart flutter? It, yes, it very much did. Yes. Everybody at the end of the teaser trailer, they were screaming and cheering at the top of their lungs. And then Gareth Edwards was like, so he was very nervous at the opening of the panel. Uh, he was like, does, does anybody want to see it again? And we were like, <laughs> are you kidding? Yes. So, but uh, it opened up with this shot. And these are screenshots from YouTube's. So they're not very clear, but they're the best I could find. It opens up with this canyon that appears to be on a jungle planet, or perhaps maybe, uh, yeah. So we, there's debate over whether it's Yavin or not, but I kind of think that it is, uh, because oh then, yeah. And make sure you use the mics, guys, so everybody can hear you. Um, so we have a voiceover for the first part of this trailer, and Riley, my Obi Wan voice is terrible. So, if you could go for it. I feel like I need somebody to hum the Force theme. There we go, there we go. <clears throat> for more than a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. Yes, so... At the- At that moment, the camera zooms up and we we hear a TIE fighter scream by and see it flying towards what appears to be a moon. In fact, Bethany, if I may, can I play the part of the audience and you describe the teaser? Sure, (laughs) sure. So the camera pans up and we see a TIE fighter screech by through the canyon. And at this point, we see a moon and the entire audience is like, oh, because then in the next shot, we see it's the Death Star. (laughs) <laughs> and yet, everybody jumps up and starts screaming and cheering. And um, poor Gareth Edwards, it's his first time doing anything like a Star Wars celebration, so he is not prepared for the audience reaction, but he loves it. He's just like looking at everybody out in the crowd. And it flips from that to showing the Rogue One, uh, like the, the actual panel with the Rogue One letters, and... At this point, we hear a lot of troopers, what sounds like troopers, because we're only getting audio at this point, and they are yelling and screaming in combat, calling for backup, and really sound to be in a bad spot. Um, And at that point, the trailer cuts off, and it leaves the entire audience feeling like, oh my goodness, those guys are going to die, because that's that's what it sounds like. Um, So, was anybody else... On the actual panel at this, this oh man, oh that's too bad. Anyway, but I I remember ending this thinking like oh man, Gareth Edwards is just I I hope he's not a reincarnation of Josh Whedon. If anybody here was at the Rebels panel yesterday, basically I'm just terrified that any Star Wars author director is going to follow in Josh Whedon's footsteps and just start killing people. Because I get attached characters and it makes me kind of sad. Well, and the other thing about that teaser, because uh, who here has actually seen it? Like, the grainy, yeah, yeah. And, and the, that's the unfortunate thing is that none of us have had the chance to see it in proper form yet, uh, thanks in part to uh, Tom Cruise. We can all blame Tom Cruise yeah. and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. And there's kind of a gentleman's agreement there that was, all right, we'll, we'll show the trailer here 
Uh, and as long as we'll come to an agreement, we won't market it otherwise until after the film came, comes out. But, but I will say this about the teaser. That is where um, – anyone heard that theme before, a bunch of troopers yelling in combat with silence and no imagery? 2008, Summer, Dave Filoni. Yes. Straight from the Clone Wars. And, and I'm just going to be that guy who says, I love that we see the militant a- aspect of Star Wars coming, but it's not the first time we've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, and I think this is why I was able to pull these pictures and the trailers all over YouTube, Lucasfilm doesn't care that anybody stole copies of the trailer because it's only the agreement uh, with the Mission Impossible people that keeps them from marketing Rogue One throughout this summer uh, because the Mission Impossible people managed to register the Rogue Nation uh, with it in Double A before Star Wars got to it. So, boo. Anyway. <laughs> so, at the rest of the celebration panel and uh, the news that came out from it afterwards, Gareth Edwards definitely and Kathleen Kennedy both emphasized that this would be a dark, gritty Star Wars movie. This is a war movie. So, I was going to ask the panelists, what do you think of that? What do you think about having a, a darker, grittier Star Wars movie? Um, I'm all for it Um, one of the things that I fell in love with with Star Wars in the original was that it was pretty I mean compared to the science fiction movies you saw at the time which were all flashy and clean and neat and new Star Wars was a living universe it was dirty jury rigged stick your pants I mean look at the Millennium Falcon as Luke said what hunk of junk granted he didn't know what he was talking about but Appearances can be deceiving. So I'm very excited to see a darker, grittier side of Star Wars. So don't let the others talk. Right. I think it's I think it's amazing. I, I think of all think about the, the, the point at which in in development uh, the decision was made that this would be the first anthology or Star Wars story. How many directions could they have gone off in and, and how many films could have possibly been the first one? I mean you, you could have had a character centric film. You know, Han Solo story, uh, you know, Boba Fett, all of those sort of surefire hits. And Disney has enough faith in, in the team and in this concept uh, to go with a war trick film that's centered around nobody that we know. And I, I think we're going to touch on that in a little bit about how this is a Star Wars film with no Jedi and no folks that, that we really know, at least playing central roles that we know of. I think that's, that's absolutely amazing. The team that they put together on this movie. Uh, in terms of the, the folks that are consulting and, and helping, are absolutely amazing. It's it's folks from some of the some of my favorite war films uh, of the last like ten or fifteen years. I think it's amazing to go in that direction. Yeah, Gareth Edwards he name drops Saving Private Ryan, uh, Black Hawk Down, Band of Brothers, and he's got people who's worked on a lot of those actually working on this film. So people who've worked on Zero Dark Thirty um, and stuff like that. Riley. What did you think? I just like calling on <laughs> Hello. Um, yeah, because the idea of a, a military theme, I think, thematically is a pretty sure fire hit. But yeah, going without a known character is probably one of the most interesting aspects of the film. And especially when you think about Disney, because their M.O. when it comes to this kind of thing, if you look at the Marvel template, is they pick a character and do it really well and do films centered on that character specifically. So... In some ways, I'm, I think it's um, a bold move, 
And I absolutely agree, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, so Thomas, you kind of hinted at it, but Gareth Edwards said, essentially, there will be no Jedi in the film, no big three. There's no one there to save them. They have to go out and, and save the universe by themselves. They have to go get the Death Star plans themselves. Uh, panelists, what do you think of basically having a film with no Jedi and no big three? This will be a first. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe I'm biased, but I like having a movie that doesn't always have to have a glow stick involved. You know? Well, as a, as a Jedi in the Rebel Legion, I'm kind of disappointed, but at the same time, there's other movies, and hopefully there'll be one in the future. It'll be very interesting to see what Star Wars is like without the people waving magical powers and funny swords and using mental telepathy to, to see their opponents. I'd rather I'd like to see a straight up fight. But let's let's remember though, this is not the this. In some ways, this military style theme is not foreign at all to Star Wars. I think it's just that that being the centerpiece is new. So if you think about it, um, everyone remember the Battle of Hoth, right? That's probably the cinematically in my view the most engaging battle in all of Star Wars and it's gritty and like there's I think the best bo- example of this is in the Battle of Hoth when uh, General Veers is in his AT-AT and he's all like alright we're going to take out the shield generator but first we're going to take out this one small guy in front of the AT-AT and so like when you watch when you watch the film again keep an eye out because he's going to be like boom and so he actually takes out the one poor sap sucker who's just trying to get behind one of the defensive guns and it's like ah we'll just take him out and that, that kind of brutality um well, I think it's it's kind of funny watching it back if you don't catch it the first time. But but there is a level of, of gritty war that Empire specifically has. And it, and that's why I think it, it, one of the many reasons Empire Strikes Back is the best of all the Star Wars films. Um, thank you. But yeah, if you contrast it with Jedi, that's a good point. Uh, it, the climax of Return of the Jedi is all built into to the emotional connection between father and son. But the, the war aspect, I mean, it, it is the Ewoks. It's, it's a different type of war. And, I mean, you can like the Ewoks, but it is, it's fundamentally different in terms of the way they're trying to portray warfare. And I, I personally like the concept of, of not – in all those battles, you had a, a central figure with some sort of, you know, extra power, you know, whether he knew how to use it or not, that was, you know, sort of shaping things. Here, you, you've got a rebellion in a state where they don't have, you know, not to kill the pun, but that new hope hasn't been quite discovered yet. And so what you've got is a small ragtag military force that's that's faced with the collective military might and experience of the Galactic mm. Empire without the resources, without, you know, most of the knowledge except for those that defected. And here you have... You know what? What I like to think of, uh, you know, a small special forces team that's been put together, probably the best of what they've got. You know, specialists in key areas that have a really, really uh, specialized mission and a lot on the line, and no Jedi, no Force, uh, it, you know, no magic bullet to solve this problem. And I think that's absolutely fantastic because you think of all those movies that we're talking about: Saving Private Ryan, Black Hawk Down. These are these are normal folks that have they're trained, obviously, but normal folks. Putting on a uniform, uh, taking up a cause, being in, you know, in the face of some real serious danger, um, no superpower to save them. Uh, they've got to rely on each other, and that's what makes those movies so fantastic. And, and that's why I'm so excited to, to see that sort of knowledge base back in this film. I'm really excited about it, but there's a part of me that's 
a little worried that the film may lose some of the Star Wars charm that we've all come to know and love. You know, the fact that you can have your 10-year-old, your 7-year-old watch it and they come away with, you know, basically a hero in Luke Skywalker, a hero in Princess Leia, or even a hero who's a bit, well, gruffier and more sarcastic in Han. And will we have that in this film? Because Edwards did mention that it would be morally gray, that the good guys will do bad things and the bad guys will do good things. And I wonder, without the Jedi, without any of the big three, and the fact that they are such a small team facing, you know, the brutality and the power and might of the Empire. And, I mean, he said there's no Jedi, but what about Sith? What about Vader? What about Tarkin? We've heard some of the rumors, but... You know, in the face of such evil, will our band of heroes stay heroic? How, how many here read the uh, the book by James Luceno Tarpin that came out back in December? All right, it, it, to plug, not to plug again, but you all should. It's awesome. Uh, but part of that deals with uh, them trying to crush uh, a, a rebel cell that's, you know, as it turns out, is is honing in on. Uh, some aspects of the Death Star's construction and development. And I think, uh, you know, one thing that I'm really interested in here that, that I think is going to force some of these moral decisions is in that book in particular, you saw how tenacious one small aspect of the, the Imperial Forces, one, you know, one commander was in defending this, you know, awful, awful project. Or if you like the dark side, this really cool weapon that does cool. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, getting that that sort of lens to focus on this team's effort and what they're going to be up against, I think, is, is neat to think about. I, yeah, I definitely agree. But I, I mean, do any of the panelists share my little bit of concern over the fact that maybe it won't feel as much like a Star Wars film? It's definitely going to be different. Up to this point, Star Wars has very much been the story of the Force, not of any particular Force user, but. I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, the, the two Star Wars trilogies are fundamentally about Anakin Skywalker. Sure, but there's a lot more to... Uh, yeah, well, there's not is, any more, actually. I mean, the plot resolved around... I mean, it's it's just straight up. You're saying it didn't resolve around one central Force user. Well, well right, kiss I mean, the mics, guys. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm I was sorry. Not, I meant more Star Wars. I'm talking more about the EU here. And all Star Wars, not just the movies. Although, granted, the movies are a lot more of Star Wars now. Okay, fair enough. I was referring strictly to the movies. So. Yeah. Well, uh, has there been a single Star Wars book in which there isn't a single Force user? Maybe in uh, Scoundrels. Yeah, Maybe. it is I would, rare, though. I'd say I mean, define Force user. Well, and and because Corrin, Corrin Horn in the Rogue Squadron novels was technically a Force user, but in the early early novels, he didn't know what he was doing or how to use it. Yeah, although they still talk about Jedi in there, right? They still talk about a uh, Valen Horn. Well, and I think thematically, his son or his father. Not really. Not totally. yeah. Well, and definitely, like thematically speaking, it's going to be different because there are so many moments in these films that are so well defined. Like going back to Empire Strikes Back, the moment that Luke Skywalker first retrieves his lightsaber. You know, those are the kinds of, I think, running themes, regardless throughout the films, that this one uh, can't lean on. But to answer your question, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because of the creative team behind it. Yeah. So I think if the, 
purely by the fact that we're getting a Star Wars film every year, I think they have a lot more room to explore these kinds of themes in the world of cinematic Star Wars. Because if, if we were getting one film every three years, I might feel differently. But I, th- I say, you know, try something experimental. Bring in the guys who made, you know, Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers. I think that's going to be amazing. How many here saw, because this is, I, I think, the comparison I draw in my mind, um, familiar with the Battlefront video game that comes out in November? Okay. So the, the first video that they released out at E3, which is the Battle of Hoth, how, how many saw that video, that, that trailer? Would, was your hair standing up when, when the thing starts and it's just a blaster and you hear the alarm klaxon going in Echo Base and you run out into the hangar? There's no Luke around. There's no Han around. You're just a rebel soldier with a bunch of other rebel soldiers on the front lines going to do the worst job there, which is like man the trenches. And you run out. And there's no storyline to that other than the Battle of Hoth that's, that's going on around it. That was awesome. I found myself like, who is this guy? Like the, the Ishi Tib runs by. I'm like, who are you? Like, oh, and then he gets killed, I think. But he's like the guy that gets hit by the, the last Walker blaster. But I think, you know, that was like 15, 20 seconds worth of stuff. And, and uh, you know, I, it had me hooked. So I think it's going to be more of that. I think, we're, I think where this movie may succeed very well is going to be because... There, there isn't a larger than there, there isn't necessarily a larger than life hero that we're seeing, and it's more kind of like you know a person that you might be able to be. You know, you won't necessarily walk away from this movie with you know saying, "Oh man, I can be Luke Skywalker. I'm, I'm going to be Darth Vader." You know, you're gonna, you're gonna go to this movie and you're gonna watch and say, "Man, that you know, I, I know somebody who did something similar to that." You know, in real life. You know, as a, as a military person, as, as a military personnel. So I think um, it's going to relate to us more on a on a you know personal level than it is going to relate on a more heroic kind of you know a level. And I kind of that's why I like the fact that I'm not seeing any glow sticks in it because you know it's it's hard to. I mean, it, yeah, it's easy when you're a kid to say, "Oh man, I'm going to run around and pretend like I'm Luke Skywalker." But when you get older, you kind of get tired of seeing those epic heroic types and kind of want to see something that's a little bit, that you can relate to a little bit more because, you know, as an adult, you don't really see those heroic figures as much anymore. I mean, you kind of see everyday life as what it is, which is everyday life. So, Well, Kathleen Kennedy did mention in a statement that uh, this, this film explores really the galactic struggle from the ground war perspective. And uh, in the panel, they did show some concept art which to me that looks like an awful lot like the indoor uh, troopers. Yeah. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah those yeah. helmets especially. Uh, that looks like some pretty nasty conditions they're fighting in, and definitely sort of a dark, dark image there. But for that, I mean, she mentioned the ground war perspectives, but given that they're trying to steal the plans of the Death Star, which is a space station, how much aerial combat do you think we might see? in this film. I, I want to see some genuine... I, see, I, I, if you've got a ground team, I, I want to see some genuine, like, those rickety Y-wing fighters. I want to see some close air support, them getting into some tight situations and, you know, hearkening back to, to the roots that George Lucas, you know, uh, strung together in A New Hope with, you know, your old World War II movies like Tora, 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 and having some, you know, real danger-close missions where... Um, you know, you don't necessarily need some central figure that's a pilot, and, you know, a, a fighter jockey or something like that. They can be a, a complementary piece uh, 
to it and, and still contribute to it. They uh, can't name a movie after Wedge Antilles' call sign and then not give us X-Wing fighters. Well, <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, but honestly, nice. I don't ex- personally, I don't expect to see a lot of fighter combat. You might see something in the big set piece toward the end of the climax. Um, what we've got here is basically the Empire's Manhattan Project. Um, it's a mass. I mean, the Death Star is a massive, massive project, and it was built in absolute secrecy. So... I think if you're going to get the plans, it's going to be a smash and grab, strike team, get in, get out, before they can get smashed and down. Yeah. So. I know on a on podcast, I was discussing with Riley and some other friends what, what the movie might feel like as far as different types of militaries. We, we went back and forth between the ground aspect and the aerial aspect. But then, if we're thinking about it, the rebels are essentially just engaging in guerrilla warfare. So they... Again, with the the Bothan spies and the fact that they're trying to steal something, this might come off more like a spec ops slash spy and heist uh, movie. There might be huge elements of that. Um, I guess, Thomas, I'd start with you. As an army captain, if you were a rebel commander and you had limited resources but a few highly trained people, what would you use if you were told, Mr. Harper, go steal the Death Star plans? I would correct them and say it's Captain Harper. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get this straight. Good. I would be an Imperial commander and I would crush them. And it's like, Supreme Lord Harper. And I, what would I don't you know. Do? I don't know if we're going to get into the, the little leaked photo, but I would dispatch what appears and possibly is the old Republic commandos to crush this, you know, ragtag force and just continue on with our plans. But I, I think, um, you know, from a perspective, I. You know, spent a year from uh, 2012 to 2013 in Kandahar province in Afghanistan. And I think it, it, you go to any active combat zone in the world in any conflict, and high-value targets, high-value operations are, are being handled by the special forces community. And so what I would want is a, uh, a team of specialists because this is not just a... I, what I love about this idea is it's not just you know a firefight that they're going to get into. There's there's technical aspects to this. So think of any any of your favorite movies where it's like a you know a ragtag group of people. Think of Saving Private Ryan. In fact, when you're just talking you know a, a rescue mission uh, to, to to get a, a young private, um, you know you look at that team and you had you know a sniper, a uh, you know the captain that led the group. You had you know the noisy New Yorker. You know a, a, a definite set of personalities. I would want a set of specialists that could take care of each aspect and take care of them, you know, each other and operate independently, uh, far forward of any. I mean, not that there are any any front lines in this conflict, but separate from any sort of uh, you know consistent support network, uh, and be able to execute a mission without a lot of, of supervision. Uh, that's what you know. You pick your special operations force today. That's what they're that's what they're doing. That's what their value is. Um, I, I'm really excited to see that stuff. But well, we do know that there are Bothan spies involved, and we do hear what sounds like a pretty nasty ground battle uh, in the celebration teaser. So with those elements playing in, um, what sort of... To me, I, I don't know, I keep going back and forth with... Whatever could happen to those Bothans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Hmm. Panelists, do you think that we'll have Darksiders show up? If we don't have Jedi, I suspect there won't be any Darksiders either. See, and that's something I've been thinking about. Is, is 
firstly, if there is, if it's a kind of a ragtag band, or even if it's a rogue band as they're named, then it would be beneath Darth Vader's notice for sure. But I, I'm kind of curious, just given like the inquisitor, the inquisitors that we see in Rebels, I, I do wonder if they'd make an appearance in the film. I don't think so. But. I'm wondering more if we might actually get to see Crix Maydeen. Since he was Rebel Intelligence, the general of Rebel Intelligence, yeah. during you know Return of the Jedi, I'm wondering if the movie, you know, if, if this might even start with you know him, you know, kind of there. Yeah, and that that brings up a good point, uh, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. You pointed out on Twitter, wondering if we'll see characters like Bail Organa or Mon Mothma. Um, I that would actually be pretty cool. I would like seeing Bail Organa in his element. And that's where I think. We keep the soul of, of the Star Wars movie alive, where you have uh, you know some a, a little a little thread of stuff that we're familiar with to, to hook everybody in and make it make sense. Because I think you you can't have an operation like this and not have some interconnectivity with the, the rebellion at large. Whether it's yeah. seeing you know a beleaguered Dodonna, whether it's seeing uh, you know Imperial officers defecting. I, I would love to have a couple scenes at the beginning showing some of these folks like. Just a little peek into their backstories, how they came to, to join uh, the rebellion, and you know, seeing somebody important or, or that we know involved in a defection mission. Well, and, and that's kind of built in because it's, it's literally like the opening crawl. The rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire during the Battle of Now. <laughs> and I don't. No, oh, go ahead. Uh, just going back to the, to the question of whether we would see any Darksiders. I mean, I, I agree with what everybody said, but quite frankly, I'd be shocked to see Darksiders because, quite frankly, if Darksiders get involved, they're dead. Um, they're not going to. If they have to, if they attract the attention of Darksiders during this mission, the goal is not to be seen, obviously. So, and, and I don't think narrative, uh, you know, in terms of the larger narrative, it makes much sense. It would undercut. Vader's role at the very beginning of A New Hope. It, it, at least it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me if he's involved in the strike and then it, you know somehow is like just seems like he's just getting involved in the hunt for the plans. And then you know if you've read the Vader comics, uh, it, there, there's no reference to his his involvement in in the larger scheme of the, the stealing of the plans and the ultimate destruction of the Death Star beyond just him you know, tagging and allowing the rebels to leave. Well, we do know that. I mean, we do know that. You know, he, he caught up to Tainted to, to Tainted Four over Tatooine and said that you know several several uh, transmissions were intercepted, being received by Princess Leia. It had to do with the plans to the Death Star. So obviously, he knew that there was something going on. I mean, he had to have known to have been dispatched to have yeah. had to intercept those plans. Basically, that I just assumed that the Emperor is sick Vader on finding out what happened and finding the people responsible. Right. Whoever, yeah. whoever was guarding the plan screwed up almost certainly over the course of Rogue One, and then Vader was sent to succeed where they failed. Yeah, and I, I kind of wonder if, as far as when we take Star Wars Rebels into account and we have the Inquisitors and we have you know, a couple of essentially leftover Jedi, I kind of wonder if, in the long run, maybe not actually seen in Rebels, but maybe those two wind up taking each other out, basically. So some of the Inquisitors wind up being killed by a few of the Jedi, and then eventually most of the rest of the Jedi get hunted down. Hopefully we don't see that in Rebels. That would be sad. <laughs> so what do you guys think of the Biggs rumor? I mean, Diego Luna does kind of look like him. 
you want to throw out the spoilers? It looks actually it's, 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 it's a, a yeah. I guess at this point, if you're still on display. That, I, that's a small rumor. I mean, anybody could look at that cast photo and just be like. That is, that is. Do the, you guys know the rumor we're talking about? That he's, Diego Luna is, is possibly Big Starflighter. I mean, yeah. I think that mustache is the mustache of one dark light. I mean, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, there's the cast photo. Take, take a look at that mustache right now and see if you're not convinced. <laughs> we were talking about a defection mission earlier, right? He's got to leave the Imperial Academy at some point. That's true. Anyway, I don't know about that, but I know that there's a rumor that Tarkin would be in it as well, but... Again, with with the rumors, there's just so so numerous and so wrong most of the time. I kind of don't feel like that one's very legitimate either. I I think that well, yeah, that's what I worry about. Trying to step into the shoes of somebody like um, Peter Cushing in a time period that's not that far before. I mean, it's, it was one thing in in that scene at the end of Revenge of the Sith where he's a little bit younger and kind of CG done up. It's another thing when you've got to make him look exactly like Peter Cushing, and that's kind of a unique face to, to model off of. I think that I'm really intrigued by the, the Dark Lighter rumor because these guys have to get around. They're going to need a pilot, and what you know, what better pilot than, than somebody fresh out of the Academy with some real skill? Except Luke Skywalker, who, by the way, uh, you know, Biggs has all of this combat experience, trained at the Imperial Academy. It's kind of like the Air Force Academy or Naval Academy, if you think about it. And Luke shows up and he's like, it's like, how are we going to possibly hit that? That's not a time ball. It's like, I used to build side bomb rats. My T-16 back home. Like, ooh, I'm Dick Skywalker. <laughs> I can do anything. No, no. But it is true. So, like, that is your trained and qualified pilot. Unless you're Luke Skywalker and you think you're the hottest thing <laughs> since sliced bread. Murdering young animals. Yeah, but that's where the rebellion got their pilots. Was the I had not thought of it in that room. light. But, yeah. Well, to move on a little bit, we've had military themes definitely show up throughout Star Wars. I mean, it is Star Wars, so, as Gareth Edwards pointed out. But, uh, you know, I don't know. For for us, we can talk about some of the Legends material, but um, what kind of themes, military themes, do you think will appear in Rogue One that we've seen in Star Wars before, whether it be Legends or the new books or the movies, frankly? Um, I would go with the camaraderie of a close-knit unit. Um, Band of Brothers has been used as an example. Saving Private Ryan has been used as an example. Both of those, I mean, especially with Band of Brothers, this, you have the historical example. Extraordinarily close-knit units, more family almost than military unit. I, I kind of think as much as I like the dogfighting that we see in the movies and I have not read the X-Wing books yet, but uh, I, I, I don't think we'll see as many dogfights because, again, Kathleen Kennedy said she would focus on the ground combat aspects, but at the same time, I, I don't know if the Rebels have really built up enough at the point in Rogue One to, to where they'll have a significant fighter presence. So, I, I'd be a little disappointed in some ways, but do you think we'll see much of, uh, like, a dogfighting element? Uh, we're increasingly seeing Rebel starfighters in Rebels. They've got the A-wings and B-wings in that Season 2 trailer. And, of course, it does say Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have done the thing. 
Back when they were actually calling them spaceships. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What uh, what military themes have worked in Star Wars that you think will continue on? I I think that one of the biggest that you see with Luke before you know he makes his his transition as a Jedi is just the Brotherhood. I mean, you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a Star Wars movie, but he shows, and you see it throughout the Battle of Hoth. He's got a real, real deep connection with his fellow pilots, and it, you know, you get peeks into to a world that you don't get to see on screen. But you know, whether it's Hobby, uh, Zev, or anybody else, he's got an attachment, and you know, when folks like Dak die, that has a serious impact. Um, and, and you know, you, you weigh that, uh, that that sort of camaraderie and, and dedication versus the overall mission. And I think, you know, you talk about the folks that are behind this movie. I think they're on it because those movies understood what makes a good genre movie. So, it, you know, it's Star Wars. It, it, if they make it look cool and, and you know, it, it makes sense logically, it doesn't matter whether it's, like, you know, a, you know, accurate as far as the military goes. Like, I don't look at the Battle of Endor and be like, oh, man, they're executing, like, a wonderfully... Uh, textbook ambush there, or something like that. I look at him like this is a cool Star Wars movie, and then those are some Ewoks, but uh, <laughs> an insurgency, yay! And so, anyways, I, I think they get that, and what they're really getting at with some of these hires are let's take you know folks that understand what makes a genre movie like this work, and get them to to plug in their ideas to that. And, and one of the biggest ones is one we've hit on, which is is that sense of, uh, of brotherhood and, and everybody having a un- unique identity and, you know, their death really means something to the larger group. At this point, I, I wonder if we'll see characters in Rogue One who are, they're more cynical, they're more hardened by the elements of war. They, like you said, Thomas, they haven't found the new hope yet. They haven't won any major battles yet. So I, I wonder if we'll see a group who, they're really close but they may not necessarily be in it as much to try to take out the Empire and do good as much as in it for revenge or in it for the sense that they completely, wildly disagree with the Empire and its brutality. They may have experienced it personally, and so they're willing to die fighting against it, but at this point they may not have that much hope. So I wonder how we might see that element play out throughout a movie and then even perhaps see that turn into wow, we actually accomplished this mission. We have the plans. We have a chance. Yeah, I, and I think that you, we, go, we keep going back to the crawl. It's so funny. I'm just picturing the guy, like, typing it up and, you know, getting it ready for the screen. But striking their first victory, I want to see a Rebel Alliance that's on the down and out. I mean, they are pushing all in on this mission because if if that station is completed, that's the end of them, you know. They, they will be hunted down. Uh, you know, the rebellion is over at that point. I want to see, you know, a force that, that it has some fractures in it, has some dust, uh, some dirt uh, in its wounds, and has been taking some licks from the Empire and is rallying around this cause, this mission, to keep the, the, the front united. All right, well, I'll have one more question for the panelists before we open it up for audience questions. PG-13 or R? PG-13. I think that's what it's going to be. I mean, I, it would be cool to see it R, but I think that, you know, you look at it from a business standpoint, and I think R cuts off too many audience, you know, too large a portion of the audience um, to make it viable. And you don't have to have an R-rated war movie to, to, to be good, in, in my opinion. 
definitely think it'll be like season four Clone Wars style, where it's you know it's just dark enough to appeal to to you know to, to appeal to adults without scaring kids completely out of their out of their you know PJs at night. I would love to see an R. I expect a PG thirteen. Yeah, and I do think at that point. For me, an R-rated movie could get into some of the grittier aspects, but that still doesn't... That moves too far away from Star Wars to me. And, you know, I, I look at Saving Private Ryan as a wonderful model. It's a shame that that movie lost to Shakespeare in Love for Best Picture in 97 it or whatever. Did? But it did. <laughs> However, I, you look at that movie, I, you know, that movie was an R within the first 15 minutes. And, you know, I remember watching it when I was 12 about, like, throwing up into my popcorn bucket. But you don't... You, that... The D-Day scene in that movie is not what makes Saving Private Ryan an all-time classic war film. It is the you know the follow-on, the the nature of the mission, that that experience that though that squad of soldiers that Tom Hanks leads that really really makes it good. Because when each one of those soldiers drops throughout the you know throughout the the course of their mission, you know you you see you know poor Vin, Vin Diesel he hadn't even been in Fast and the Furious yet, uh, and he gets hit, and that's like. You know, that's a really emotional moment. You're talking about a character that, that you've seen little moments of, and he's talking about peaks of his past, and, and then he's, he's hit, and he's stranded, and he's, he's hopeless. <laughs> he survives the Fast and the Furious. But anyways, yeah, so you, you, you don't need an R rate. I, I think people get all hung up on this. Deadpool is a great example of that sort of thing. You, you don't need it for this sort of movie. Yeah. All right, so audience questions and discussion. The, the rule would be keep it family-friendly. We have a lot of uh, families in the audience, and don't keep the mic for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> okay. I was just – you were talking about some of the ragtag people that we don't see much of in the movies who have seen sides of the Empire but aren't really part of the Rebels in general. Do you think we might see any of Kyle Katarn at any point? Honestly, no? Gareth Edwards came on stage. He was completely new to Star Wars. Completely out of his element, but still really enjoying it. He loves the movies. I honestly don't think he knows that there were books prior to 2013. <laughs> I'm just, I'm hoping for another so, Jedi Knight series. Yeah. But, cool. Um, first of all, I agree with you. That's totally Biggs, absolutely. Or Biggs related. <laughs> it's someone in the family line. Um, you need to read the X-Wing series. Let me say that I right know. off the bat. Um, let's hope it doesn't Nancy, go that... stop looking at me. Read them. <laughs> well... Try not to get attached to the main characters because Aaron Austin and Michael Stackpole have a really bad habit of getting you attached and then killing them off. So yes. just want to prepare you now. I won't say who. <laughs> that being the case, um, I'm speculating that this movie actually will be kind of similar to that. I think that this movie is going to go kind of dark. It's going to be Empire Strikes Back. Uh, you know, good guys totally lose, bad guys totally win. The only saving grace is that one or two of them make it out with the plans and get to one place. You can even see other people getting captured and taken into interrogation and not breaking and dying with the information of where that went. Um, there was a book that came out called New Dawn. There was a guy that had been a Jedi at the age of 12 when Order 66 happened. And he changes his name. He goes into hiding forever. So my question to you is to speculate on whether or not you think that any of the main cast members could be previous Jedi that keep it to themselves to the point where even their own team members don't know about it. Technically, I suppose that would be possible, but Gareth Edwards loves war movies, and he's so intent on making this like a war movie that I, I don't 
see him bringing in anyone with Jedi abilities. And, and I don't think they would have come out and said that you're going to be watching a team that doesn't have Jedi to assist them if, or the Jedi. yeah, yeah, if, if they plan to have somebody that was on the, you know, Jedi on the side. He's not J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And, and oh my goodness, you make me so worried because like now I don't. None of these faces we really see in A New Hope unless they're just like totally different now. They could all die. Every one of them. <laughs> okay, next. Uh, first, uh, thank you to all the veterans in the panel and welcome home for your service. And the uh, question is, million, million credit question, if it's going to be a grim and gritty war film, Stormtrooper Marksmanship, is it, <laughs> how are they going to reconcile that? Is it going to be spraying preservers? Every Marine going to be a rifleman? So uh, that, that brings up a good point. So there is a chance that all of these guys might actually make it to the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that, that brings up a very good point. All right. Kiss the mic, everyone. I, yeah, so I think I, – I don't know if we have the, uh, the the photo of it. There was a photo of some helmets uh, from the set that was leaked. Um, yeah, and so – there's there's a lot of speculation. One is obviously the classic episode, you know, four, five, six, stormtrooper helmet. But there are a couple, I think, black helmets in the mix that people are speculating wildly about. I will say that you know you, you've seen in the Clone Wars uh, TV series again and again and again, and even in in Rebels with you know the inclusion of Callus and the Inquisitor, that the Empire has at its disposal its own special forces units. That, I mean, that dated all the way back to the Republic. And so I would not be surprised to see some sort of uh, incarnation of, you know, very specialized Imperial units. Not necessarily Darksiders, but uh, to go toe-to-toe to, to match that sort of irre- irregular warfare. I'm always in favor of them maintaining the distinction between the Imperial Army and the Stormtrooper Corps. That's something Rebels has not done. Um, it, I think it'd be great if they would have them fighting regular Imperial Army troops for most of the time, and we have these terrible marksmanship. And then at the end of it, you see actual stormtroopers, and that's when people start dying. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. <laughs> <Because you're laughs> yeah. Oh, I like that sarcasm. Okay. All right. Next. Next question. Um, so this is uh, kind of a multi-part thing. Um, one, uh, there wasn't a whole lot touched based on like the next wave, I guess, of casting announcements for the movie. Um, as far as Mads Mikkelsen uh, being involved, uh, and of course, uh, also uh, uh, yeah, Alan Tudyk and I'm at Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, where, where do you think they fill? And like, seriously, can they not make Mads Mikkelsen an Imperial like he has to be? <laughs> I, I think he. I think it's a, it's been announced that he's got a an evil role of, of some type. He has what, to. What better? Who, who watches Hannibal in the crowd? Like, what a what a creepy, creepy, or, or Casino Royale for yep. that matter. The Le chief. <laughs> yep. And he's like the perfect, uh, you know, guy that I would picture as some sort of like specialized guy that they bring in. You know, hey, we've we've got a serious problem here. We're not right quite at the Vader level yet, but let's bring in you, Le chief, and Sort of like Callus level, I guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but at the same time, it might be interesting to see what happens if they cast him against type see what he can do. So. Yeah, I mean, he, he, did, he played a great role in Clash of the Titans as kind of like the veteran mentor, you know, soldier for Perseus. I mean, I thought he played, he was really good doing that. So, I mean, I think he could he could possibly pull off being 
a rebel. You know, being kind of like the gruff guy who's been in several fights is like, you know, just like, <laughs> like the drill instructor kind of guy, you know. Every, yeah. every team has to have one of those grizzled guys, and that could be him. Well, and I kind of think, too, sorry. you know, what if some of these announcements uh, Forrest Whitaker, Mads Mickelson, and, and Alan Tudyk, I, I don't know how to pronounce He's totally going to die, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what if these could be some of the, uh, the rebel leadership? So, so far we have the team that we've seen. What about actual rebel leadership? Um, and maybe some of the imperial leadership, too. Because I was, I was thinking about that with uh, Forrest Whitaker, too. Cause yeah. That, that, that that kind of be, I like, can totally control. see that. Yeah, For, yeah, Forrest Whitaker is sort of like the um, – he's the grumpy counterpart to uh, to what's it, the, the intelligence leader from Return of the Jedi. Like, Crix <laughs> Medine. It's like yeah. they have a beard off or something. I don't know. That'd be great. <laughs> And there was something else I wanted to touch bases on, um, and I'll vacate the mic. Um, but talking about like themes as far as um, what style and everything like that, one that I felt that was kind of glazed over that I would personally like to see uh, is kind of going back to the old pulp style stuff. Like I'm talking about like Dirty Dozen um, <laughs> for PC games. Like if you played Commandos, like they did a little bit of that in Clone Wars with the whole like uh, breaking the uh, siege of uh, Ryloth, which uh, of course the Resistance and blah blah blah. Um, but that's sort of what I want to see, like something with a little bit more like home home flavor, like they really work with like a local uh, group. And also, too, like having people that are not really like experienced, like you would, I guess, have like people who are academy um, deserters or washouts or whatever, but like also just like your uh, Telly Savalas or your uh, uh, yeah. Jim Brown and everything like that, where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah I'm an ass or... or Jerk, um, and <laughs> but I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You got that that ticked off farmer who doesn't know how to fight, but he just is mad now. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and to that, honestly, to make a, one very easy way to make a dark and gritty film is have an inexperienced commander in a rebel structure make a ton of mistakes and get a bunch of people killed. Honestly, and and that honestly just makes sense reality wise in an insurgency or a rebellion, you don't have the best of the best necessarily. You might have a few that are that, but not, not always. Uh, yeah, so I'd like to go back to the uh, being like a covert uh, mission um, and how you like talked about like what would you do as being in the military. Uh, like Star Wars is obviously an advanced universe. We're going on to modern warfare this day is more advanced and uh, being like a cyber soldier why don't they just hack into the, the stuff? Like, why do you need to... Why do you need battles now when you can just... Hack use computers. Because it's cooler when they blow stuff up. <laughs> shoot things. That's, that's the cinematic answer, honestly. But uh, I would imagine, too, that the Empire has people who are more skilled at such things. The Empire, where their weakness would lie, is in their power with the sense that they feel so powerful that they get lax about certain things. But that would not be cybersecurity because that would be the first place someone would try. So I, I'd imagine they'd be more intense on cybersecurity than they would be on guarding the Death Star because it's a freaking Death Star who's going to yeah. take it out. One thing I love about Star Wars is that they are almost like anti-hacking or even referencing the fact that there are computers. I mean, like, they're, they're on the yeah. dashboard, but that's about it. Like, even when they need to uh, take down the shield generator, which you would think would be like a digital process, no. Han is going to personally go in and blow up the generator. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see a crusty droid, like, chopper type on this team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're trying to, cool. If it was an old war film, I get it. You know, like you storm as you storm a beach, do that. But if it's more an advanced modern, like today and day and age, like we don't, you know, we're moving away from you know storming stuff to just 
infiltrating it through you know cyber cyber uh, net warfare. Well, well, think about the narrative. They've got some folks from Zero Dark Thirty, and think of the narrative in that film where you've got a balance between the the intel covert side, the build, all this build up. I mean, the mission to to kill Osama at the end is very cool and all, but you know, as it's executed on screen. But that's that's just a piece of it, and you know, at a certain point, you've got to transition to, to kinetic action and and get in there, and you know. And one one thing I'm going to point out: uh, the Star Wars films were put together in a in a world without the internet and modern tech, what we would consider modern technology. So it, the universe. Yeah, well, it is. It's a, yeah, they don't. They don't have internet. No, I, I see totally what you're driving at. So it would basically be like in a place like the United States, where you have a lot more internet freedoms. It might be probably a lot easier to hack into something. But if we're in China, where the government controls internet and internet access and massive firewalls, etc., how do you get around something that's that heavily controlled? And I imagine the empire as being probably far more controlling than that. I mean, they're led by Palpatine, so. R2 just has to plug in. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. Oh, goodness. We've generally seen that the holonet seems to be significantly more controllable than the actual internet, that it has, it has to be uh, broadcast through hyperspace relays. So they likely still have to be physically located in the same system as the plans to hack into it, which isn't necessarily easy. That would make sense. Um, I have two questions, but first is, um, what do you think of Lucasfilm's really casual disregard for the expanded universe? You know, when Disney took over, there wasn't a discussion of, you know, we have all this great content that we've spent years building up. It's, nope, it's gone. Um, or like the Clone Wars, which just is, you know, you know, Luke's Dark Horse has this long buildup of, of really great comic book series following the Clone Wars. And the Clone Wars... TV show, which I love and I think is fantastic, just, you know, erases. Or like the book Dark Disciple, which just takes Quinlan Boss's story and just turns it into a love story with, oh, there, hold up that sign. Um, <laughs> you would have been great for the canon. Yeah, you're, you're too oh, yeah. Like, the Yuzhan Vong War is my favorite series, like, of well, all time, and it's, it's just erased. I, 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 I it's hear a what good question real quick, but since you have two, I'm going to ask you to go back to the back okay, again. Okay, I'll do that. I'll there do are that. people yeah. behind you. To answer your first question, they had to start fresh. I mean, come on. There was 30 years of build-up, tens of different authors, comics, books, games. I mean, yeah, it would have been great to see Mara Jade and uh, Janice Solo, all those, all the characters we know and love, but they had to start fresh. They have to tell their story. I mean, they have to think in in terms of going another 30 to 50 years with the franchise because it's Disney, and Disney's yeah. really powerful and has a lot of money. And with 30 years of back content, it's so convoluted in a lot of ways. Star Wars is a lot like the Middle Earth universe in the sense that there's a lot of one canon. I mean, there, there are books and stuff that weren't, but the legends, you know, for the most part, they, they kept it to the same canon, uh, but they had all the different authors, whereas Tolkien had written Middle-earth himself, so you have one author controlling everything. It's a lot easier to pick up than tons of authors, tons of panels, etc. Do we have time for one more question? Okay, is it a short question? Um, do you think Kathleen Kennedy's, or did she say anything about continuing on with the Rogue uh, storyline? 
later on if, if they do survive. I'm, this is for you because I know you really want them to live. <laughs> because I'm thinking of How like Lone Survivor where one did. Yeah. Wiped out the whole she team. She did not. Basically, she said that uh, GL came up with the anthology idea, and he wants to use that to explore a lot of different elements. So if I had to answer your question, sadly, probably not. Okay. Maybe just, a book? just because of that. But yeah, book hopefully series. a book series. All right. If, Thank it, you. if it did happen, it would have to be a good ways in the future. I think they've got the movie schedule pretty well filled for the next probably decade at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. All right. Raffle time. Giveaway time. All right. Yeah.